0: This is the Cater Daily Podcast for Thursday, August 9th, 2018. I'm Caleb Brown. The newest incarnation of a paid family leave proposal involves allowing new parents to take something of an advance on potential future Social Security benefits. There are a number of things wrong with that idea. Charles Blahaus of the Mercatus Center and Cato's Vanessa Brown Calder offer their thoughts. The proposals that are floating out there right now, uh, I remember uh, Ivanka Trump uh, took this up as an issue early uh, when the Trump administration came into the White House and uh, I guess at the, at the initially it was just for mothers but I think they figured out that that would be pretty blatantly unconstitutional to mandate that kind of thing just for women. What are the proposals that are floating out there right now?
1: That's right. So there is the Family Act which is something that the Democrats have proposed and basically the Family Act uses a payroll tax on employees and employers in order to fund a subsidized leave program, which would be in addition to Social Security, the Social Security program. Um, But the program that we're going to, or the proposal that we're going to talk about today, I think, is the Social Security paid family leave proposal, which actually originated on the right. It was sort of a conservative group that put this forward. And then Ivanka Trump has apparently kind of latched onto it. She likes it and is um, promoting it. And there's also a couple of conservative senators that seem to support it, both uh, Marco Rubio and also Joni Ernst and the idea here with the Social Security paid family leave proposal is that you could actually take your Social Security benefits early as a young parent and you could take them for 12 weeks and on average there would be a, about a 45% of your wage would wages would be replaced, that's for a kind of an average wage worker. And it would be really redistributive, and the deferment rate would be something like, you know, you could take two weeks um, of Social Security benefits um, or two weeks' worth of this paid parental leave benefit as from your Social Security benefits up front, and then you would defer a week of benefits um, during retirement. So that's kind of the idea that was put forward and... Um, it certainly has captured some conservative imaginations.
0: All right, so Charles Blahouse, tell me what's wrong with that? I mean, if if you're if you're a young parent, and uh, if you look at polling data, they uh, young people generally believe that social security is uh, not going to be there for them. Uh, what's wrong with taking that up front, and I guess hedging your bet that you won't get social security anyway?
2: Right. Well, uh, let me uh, let me preface my remarks by saying that. There's a broader discussion here about paid family leave. And uh, I'm just going to stipulate up front that paid family leave is a good thing and further stipulate something I don't necessarily believe, which is that there is a, a market failure here that would warrant the government mandating or providing this benefit. Uh, my involvement with this issue is really very narrow, and it's on this question of if you stipulate all that, if you if you make that your initial predicate, is this a good way to do it? And I would say, even if you believe strongly the government should provide for paid family leave, uh, this is not the way you should do it. And I think to understand that requires a little background about Social Security. Social Security is a very specific type of program. It has a lot of problems, uh, but it also has, I would say, some design virtues. And one of them is that uh, it's not this sort of open-ended Welfare program where we're just going to pay an unlimited amount of benefits, uh, and then figure out how to pay for it later. I mean, this program is designed to be a contributory insurance program, and both in the aggregate and on the individual basis, there are at least some stipulations that provide some forms of fiscal discipline. So, in the aggregate, the amount of spending in the program is limited to the amount of payroll taxes workers have contributed, plus any interest earnings on those payroll tax contributions. But even on an individual basis, there is an attempt to require that people earn their benefits at least to an extent upfront. So uh, you have to work and pay into the system for 10 years in order to earn old age benefits. Um, And even on the disability benefit side, obviously you, you can you could uh, qualify for disability benefits earlier in your working career, but the vast majority—not the vast majority—but the but the peak er, the peak disability incidence years are in people's fifties. So, generally speaking, people have paid payroll taxes into this system and earned an entitlement to benefits generally before they start receiving them. Uh, paid family leave just simply does not fit with that design. I mean, this is, paid family leave is a benefit that people would get up front at the beginning of their working careers, generally speaking, long before they have put in enough payroll taxes to even remotely justify the benefits that, that this program would provide. And so what this proposal does is says, all right, well, what we'll do is we'll just let you receive sort of an advanced payment on your eventual social security benefits. And I would argue that's just an extremely problematic concept. I mean, first of all, there's no, it's, it's not like there's an actual pot of money there. I mean, it would be one thing if you had an account and you had your own savings and we were saying, okay, we're going to give you access to this earlier than we otherwise would have. But that's not how social security works. Social security is just promising to tax someone else decades in the future to pay you a benefit. So there's no actual money there. Uh, and, and basically what this proposal says is we're going to pretend that you own this money now and we're going to give it to you now. And that really opens up a, a Pandora's box. I mean, once you go down the road of saying you own this money and it's yours, there's no particular reason to uh, limit your access to it to paid family leave. You should you know, people in their twenties might be desperately in need of money for all sorts of purposes. So basically, this is this is just a way of giving people a, a justification for receiving benefits now before. You know, they they would have earned them and really uh, without an, an actual financing source. So in some sense, uh, this
0: is an admission of that the government, as far as I know, has not admitted before, which is you
2: own your social security benefits Your uh, that is your property. You're right. It certainly treats it that way. It certainly treats it that way. And that's. Very problematic when uh, the government actually hasn't uh, created uh, a stock of savings to draw from to support that principle, right? And so in effect, what this is, this is a program that would pay you benefits now and then have some theoretical savings offset literally decades from now. And we know how that typically works with government budgeting behavior. We see this all the time where the government will say, well, you know, we'll provide this benefit, we'll have this financing source and the benefit is paid and then the financing source never materializes. But in this case, it's it seems very implausible that it would ever materialize. We're talking decades in the future. And again, going back to something you said earlier, the system is badly out of balance. And so changes are going to have to be made in order to bring social security back into balance. And we don't know what those are going to be. So it's not as though young parents can even make an informed choice as to how much they want to delay their retirement benefits. We don't even know what their retirement age is going to be. So would someone be willing to delay their retirement from 67 to 67 and a half? I don't know, maybe, but what if the government comes back now and says, we're going to raise the retirement age to 69? Would that bargain still hold? Now we're going to make you wait till 69 and a half. Well, the person might say, well, if I'd known that, I never would have agreed to this. My guess is that the government is not going to hold to its end of the bargain in terms of enforcing the savings. So we really should think of this as just a proposal to pay additional benefits out of the social security trust fund, which is already underfinanced. And and any notion that that this is going to be offset with other savings, I think is basically fanciful.
0: So, uh, and this, As you know, this happens quite a lot when it comes to uh, proposed uh, spending or proposed revenue sources even uh, when the federal government or even state governments are involved. Um, What what can be done uh, if if you've stipulated that paid family leave is a good thing? Is there anything the government ought to do in order to facilitate – and Vanessa, jump in as you see fit – to facilitate – Uh, Parents taking some new parents taking some time off, as I recently did, uh, to uh, care for their new children and uh, their loved ones.
1: So we've talked about this before a little bit, but I actually have a policy analysis paper here at Cato that will be published shortly on the topic of paid family leave. And um, really, a lot of the estimates out there about what proportion of parents have access to paid family leave way understate actually um, the reality of the situation. And it looks like the majority of parents have access to paid family leave voluntarily through their through their employer, or at least benefits which functionally act as paid family leave. Um, So as a result of that, and really the trend has just increased and ticked up over time, so from the 1960s to now, um, you know, we have about four times the provision of paid family leave or something like that, and it's on trend to continue, and from, from all indications, it looks like it's doing just that. So I think that this is something that we can wait, and we will continue to see that the private market will do a better and better job um, providing paid family leave in response, actually, to employees' preferences and demands. Um, But there are things, so that may be unsatisfactory from a public policy perspective because there is kind of this bias towards taking action and doing something. But there certainly are things that conservatives can do instead of paid family leave or creating a new entitlement um, using the Social Security program or Social Security Administration um, to do it. I think that conservatives tend to think a little myopically and tend to let Democrats kind of set the policy agenda here. There's really no reason to do that. Um, There's a variety of things like child care costs, which are really important and do seem to predict whether or not women and parents, particularly mothers, will engage in the workplace or will go on to welfare benefits after having a child. And those child care costs are related to Um, child care regulation. And actually Mercatus did a report on this uh, a year or two ago that suggested that just simply requiring lead teachers to have a high school diploma increased the cost of child care by 25 to 46%. So we could really bring child care costs down, and they're very high in certain areas of the country. For instance, in D.C. here, the average cost of having a child in daycare is $23,000 a year, which is just- Don't get me started. Enormous. Yeah, right. Um you would know, Caleb. So um So that's something that certainly we should be thinking about and conservatives should be thinking about and putting together policy proposals to try and deal with that. And there's a variety of ways that they could. And another issue is flexible schedules. And that's something which a variety of labor regulations have made it really hard for parents to have more flexible schedules and to work with their employers in order to get those flexible schedules. And that seems to actually be the most important thing um, for working parents. The Rockefeller Foundation ran a poll. Where they asked which of these things in particular would need to change in order for you to evenly balance your job and your marriage and your children. And um, one of the options was paid leave, and another was childcare. And there were a few others, and one of them was more flexible hours and schedules, and that just won by a mile. So we could talk about the different things that could be done there, Um, and there are a lot, I mean, a lot of times labor regulations are set at the state level, and so that's something that various states could actually take action and move on. Um, But there are also things at the federal level, like the Fair Labor Standards Act, which makes it actually impossible for private for private sector employees to take their overtime hours as future time off. And that can be really helpful to a lot of parents. And in fact, government and union employees are often allowed to do that.
0: Charles, you stipulated something you don't necessarily believe earlier, which is the idea that there is a there there is or may be a market failure in the provision of this uh, in-demand uh, option for parents, well, do you believe that?
2: Uh, I th- well, I think the honest answer is I don't know, right this isn't This isn't an issue that I have studied i mean i've I've studied social security and I've studied the impact of the paid family leave proposal on social security. Um, but um, the reason I stipulated is that I'm not a scholar in the paid family leave area and and in order to opine on the social security aspect, I just felt it was most prudent to stipulate that up front.
0: Charles Blahaus is a senior research strategist at the Mercatus Center and Vanessa Brown Calder is a policy analyst at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast at iTunes and Google Play and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.